ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد We've done the introductions for a guide to sound creed Al-Irshad ila sahih al-i'tiqad This section is very important for everyone to pay attention because this is basically the six pillars of Iman Belief in Allah belief in the angels, the prophets, the books, the day of judgment and the decree. All of us as Muslims should understand these six principles very carefully. All of us should understand them properly. So, as Shaykh Al-Fawzan, he says here, اعلم أيها المسلم وفقني الله وإياك أن أصول العقيدة الإسلامية التي هي عقيدة الفرقة الناجية أهل السنة والجماعة هي الإيمان بالله وملائكته وكتبه ورسله واليوم الآخر والإيمان بالقدر خيره وشره He says no, O Muslim May Allah give me a new success that the principles of Aqeedah, the Aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah are six basic aspects. They are belief in Allah, in His angels, in His books, in His messengers, in the Day of Judgment and in the Decree. And those six pillars of Iman, they are taken directly from the evidences of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. <clears throat> so for example, Allah mentions in the Qur'an, لَيْسَ الْبِرَّ أَن تُوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ قِبَلَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ وَلَكِنَّ الْبِرَّ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَالْكِتَابِ وَالنَّبِيِّينَ You see in this ayah of, <coughs> in this ayah of Surah Al-Baqarah, ayah 177, it mentions some of those pillars of Iman. It mentions here, Man amana billah, who believes in Allah, wal yawmil akhir, and the day of judgment, wal malaika, and the angels, wal kitab, and the book, the Quran, wal nabiyyin, or the other books too, and wal nabiyyin, the prophets. In another ayah, inna kulla shay'in khalaqanahu biqadar, 
that indeed we created everything via that decree, by that decree, with that decree. In another ayah that you may be familiar with, from the end of Surah Al-Baqarah, آمَنَ الرَّسُولُ بِمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ رَبِّهِ وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ كُلٌّ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ لَا نُفَرِّقُ بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ مِنْ رُسُلِهِ That the messenger believes in that which was revealed to him from his Lord and the believers, all of them believe in Allah and in his books uh, and in his angels and in his books and in his messengers and we do not separate between any of his messengers in another ayah Allah even tells us that it is kufr if you disbelieve in any of these pillars of iman so it mentions in surah an-nisa 136 وَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَقَدْ ضَلَّ ضَلَالًا بَعِيدًا That whomsoever disbelieves in Allah and in His angels and in His books and in His messengers and in the Day of Judgment then he has gone astray a great misguidance it is kufr to disbelieve in those affairs. And we also have the famous hadith of Jibreel. And everybody knows the hadith of Jibreel. So what's the hadith of Jibreel? What happens in the hadith of Jibreel? What happens in the hadith of Jibreel is a famous hadith. It's known as the hadith of Jibreel. Who was Jibreel? Angel. So in the hadith of Jibreel, what happened was that Jibreel the angel came to the Prophet wasallam, looking like a normal man and he asked the Prophet ﷺ certain questions. One of those questions was, أَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِيمَانِ Tell me about Iman. And so the Prophet ﷺ had replied that Iman is that you believe in Allah and in His angels and in His books and the Prophets and the Day of Judgment and the Decree. So all of those are mentioned in that Hadith of Jibreel. There are other narrations too. Several ayat of the Qur'an, several ahadith in the Sunnah that all speak about the different pillars of Iman. They speak about the different aspects of those pillars, some of them in more detail, some of them with less detail. The reference, it's not here, but in Muslim, isn't it? Uh, I don't know the number though. Is it number is there? You'll have to check the number, but the number isn't here. وَهَذِهِ الْأُصُولِ الْعَظِيمَةِ 
وتسمى أركان الإيمان قد اتفقت عليها الرسل والشرائع ونزلت بها الكتب السماوية ولم يجحدها أو شيئا منها إلا من خرج عن دائرة الإيمان وصار من الكافرين These pillars are established throughout the prophets and messengers and in their legislations these pillars of Iman are constant because the prophets and messengers their legislations differed different messengers came with different legislations slightly in terms of halal and haram etc but some things remain exactly the same all of the prophets and messengers with the exact same message in certain aspects clearly the aspect of tawheed is one of them tawheed iman aqidah those affairs were the same so these six pillars all of the prophets and messengers belief in allah belief in the prophets the angels the books, the Day of Judgment, the Decree, that is something all of the Prophets and Messengers, they taught. So, to begin then with the first one, so like we said, pay close attention to these six pillars. The first one is Al-Imanu Billahi Azza wa Jal. Iman in Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala, the mighty and majestic. Wa huwa asasul aqeedah wa asluha. And this iman in Allah is the basis of aqeedah. It is the basis of aqeedah, the foundation of aqeedah. The belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَهُوَ يَعْنِي الْاَعْتِقَادِ الْجَازِمِ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ رَبُّ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَمَلِيكٍ And that is to believe with absolute certainty that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Lord of everything, the owner of everything, the king of everything, the creator of everyone. The one who controls and uh, dictates the affairs of creation. And that he is the one who is deserving of worship alone. And that he has no partners, no equals. And that everything worshipped besides him is false. Just as Allah mentioned in the Quran, ذَٰلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ وَأَنَّ مَا يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ هُوَ الْبَاطِلِ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْكَبِيرِ That is because Allah, He is the truth. And that which they call upon besides Him, then it is false. All other so-called deities besides Allah, then they are false. They are not true gods whatsoever. So now then, how do we understand in detail what Iman in Allah means? 
ایمان این الله has three main parts ایمان این الله has three main parts the first part is known as توحید الربوبیه that is the توحید of the lordship of Allah the second part is known as Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah and that is regarding the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the third part is known as the Tawheed of al-Asma' wa-Sifat the Tawheed regarding the names and attributes of Allah these are the three core parts of understanding Iman in Allah. When somebody asks you now, what is Iman in Allah? What do you mean that the Muslims believe in Allah? Then your answer is that belief in Allah has these three parts to it the rububiyyah the uluhiyyah and the asma wa sifat the lordship of allah the worship of allah and the names and attributes of allah those three aspects often termed as the three aspects of tawheed the three categories of Tawheed. We're going to break those down carefully and we'll have a good look at those three categories one by one. The first category then from those three categories known as Arububiyyah and that means the Lordship of Allah. This basically, it means that we single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of His actions. There are certain actions that only Allah can do. Nobody else participates with Allah or aids Allah or has any involvement in these actions along with Allah. There are certain actions only Allah does them. Only attributed to Allah. Negated from all others besides Allah. Those actions are, for example, and this is just briefly me saying it yet before we read what the book says, but those briefly are, for example, creation. Creating everything, creating the world, creating people, creating everything. This creating of everything, this creation of everything, that action of creating everything was done purely and solely by 
Allah. Nobody else created anything of this creation. Nobody else created this world or this universe. Nobody else created the humans or the animals or anything else. That act of creation, creation of the heavens and the earth and everything within them, that is an act that is only for Allah. Similarly, giving life and death, giving life and death is an action that is only exclusively to Allah. He is the one who gives life. He is the one who gives death. He is the one who brings a new person into life. He is the one who takes the life of another. Allah is the one who gives life and death alone. Nobody else besides Allah has any participation or ability or role in being able to give life and death. Similarly, controlling what happens in the universe. At-Tadbir. Only Allah alone controls everything that is going on in the universe. Everything that happens in the universe purely controlled by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is another action that only Allah can do. Sending down the rain and bringing forth the provisions, the vegetables and the fruits, bringing to us this rizq, that is an action that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. Nobody else brings forth the rain to fall. Nobody else brings out the greens and the vegetations and the fruits for us to eat. That rizq, that sustenance, those provisions, they are the action of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And we know in that other hadith where it's mentioned when you are not even born yet, when you are still in the womb of your mother, that an angel is sent at what time frame? For, for what? For days, for hours, for months. So after four months of pregnancy, then the angel is sent to blow the soul into that baby. And then the angel is commanded to write down four things regarding that baby. It's in the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, authentic hadith. What are the four things that the angel writes down for that unborn child yet? Four months into the pregnancy now, the soul is blown in to that child and four things are written down. They are lifespan. So when that person will die, when that child will die, how long that child will live, 100 years, 80 years, 50 years, 20 years, written down in the, uh, the decree already from the preserved tablet, how long this 
baby will live also number two the rizq what we've been talking about now that's the point that the rizq the provisions the sustenance what you will have during your lifetime is written for you there as an unborn child yet written down what your rizq will be during your lifetime so a person of course strives you make your effort to achieve rizq rizq it's not something you just make dua for and then sit at home doing nothing you make dua and then you take the necessary means so you go out and you work you go out and you do the halal trade and business and whatever it might be and then whatever rizq provisions income has been written for you then it will come to you what's been written for you has been written for you so it will not be stolen by anybody nobody can steal your rizq don't think now you trade in some particular market and some more competition comes along and you think you're gonna lose out you're not gonna lose out on anything the amount of rizq that was written for you in your lifetime when you were unborn that rizq will come to you what was written to you nobody's gonna come and steal your provisions from you so a person when he thinks about that it brings you peace in your heart brings you comfort in your heart knowing that your provisions are written for you your rizq is written for you you take the necessary means you strive and then what is written for you is there written for you you have nothing to grieve over you have nothing to be saddened over you take the necessary means and then after that it's written for you to the extent it's mentioned in a hadith that a person who may not have a great deal of provisions he may not have a great deal of rizq that such a person who may be in some level of poverty that it's better for him to go and chop some wood from the forest carry it on his back on his shoulders and come and sell that firewood for pennies whatever that little bit that's better for a person than to go begging or asking people your rizq is there, it's written, go and do something, go and chop some wood and sell it and that few little pounds, whatever comes, that rizq is there for you. If you take the means, you must take the means. This doesn't mean when we say it's written for you and the decree is written that you just sit at home doing nothing and say, whatever's written for me will come. Yes, it's written, but also we've been told you have to take the necessary means to doing things. It's like somebody says they want to have children, but they don't bother going to get married. So where are you going to have children? How are you going to have children? You haven't even got a wife. Don't get married if you want to have children. You can't just sit there and say, Oh Allah, bless me with children. Oh Allah, bless me with righteous children. And you haven't even got married yet. Go and get married then. You must take the means. 
Sometimes people they fall into what is known as tawakul. This what we're talking about right now is tawakul. Putting your trust in Allah. You go and take the necessary means to do something. You put your trust in Allah. Your rizq is there written for you. Alhamdulillah. But some people they don't put their trust in Allah. They don't do tawakkul. They do something known as tawakkul. And that means a fake or a pretense of putting your trust in Allah. You say you're putting your trust in Allah, but you're not doing it right. Meaning, the example we just gave, for example, somebody says they're putting their trust in Allah that they're going to have righteous children and Allah's going to bless them with children. They're putting their trust in Allah. But they haven't even bothered to go get married or to even look or to tell people they're looking nothing. So then what do you mean you put your trust in Allah for children? You're not doing anything to even get married. You're not even telling people you're looking to get married. Then your trust in Allah, what you're claiming to do is not right. You're truly putting your trust in Allah, then take the means, go and look for marriage and put your trust in Allah. Now you're doing it right. It's also, for example, somebody goes to Hajj. Hajj coming now. Somebody goes to Hajj, for example, they get enough money to book their tickets and they go over to Mecca for Hajj. But the two weeks that they are going to stay there, two weeks, three weeks, that time period they are going to stay there, they haven't taken any extra money with them at all. They've gone with empty pockets, completely empty pockets. No cards, no cash, no nothing. He's booked his ticket and he's got there, penniless, nothing in his pockets. And he says, if somebody asks him, you're going to be here in Mecca, in Saudi for two weeks, three weeks doing your hajj. How are you going to survive without a penny in your pocket? How are you going to eat? How are you going to pay for the taxis you have to get from here and there sometimes? How are you going to pay for the hotel room? How are you going to pay for anything? Three weeks you're going to be here for hajj. You're not going to spend a penny. How are you going to survive? How are you going to eat? He says, it's okay. I put my trust in Allah. Allah will look after me these three weeks. I put my trust in Allah. Then we say that this person doesn't understand what it means to put your trust into Allah. He is not doing tawakkul, he's doing tawakkul, pretending a fake type of trust. It's not this way. You can't go there penniless and say, I put my trust in Allah. I'll be okay. Three weeks I'll survive. Food, accommodation, taxis, everything I need to do, I'll survive. I put my trust in Allah. You can't do that. That isn't the way. What you're supposed to do is you take the money needed to buy food, to get the hotels, to do whatever. And then you say, I put my trust in Allah now that I'll be okay for these next two, three weeks. It'll be enough, etc. Meaning we are supposed to take the means to do something and then put our trust in Allah with that. 
But you don't just say, I'm putting my trust in Allah and then don't take the means to do anything. You can't just say, I put my trust in Allah, I'll be blessed with righteous children and you don't take the means to go get married. You can't say, I put my trust in Allah that I be blessed with a, uh, uh, with a uh, beautiful new car worth so much money and this and that and you're not working, you're not doing anything, you're not even looking for a job not bothering with anything then where are you going to be blessed with the 20,000 pound car you can't speak like that and not take any means to do anything you can't say that Allah will make my children righteous inshallah I will have blessed children pious children and you're not doing anything to raise them in a pious way you're the one who's showing them bad tarbiyah a bad upbringing you're showing them bad manners, not from the Quran and the Sunnah, but then you say, Inshallah, Allah will make my children righteous. Then what are you doing? Why are you behaving bad and showing them bad manners and bad household and bringing haram things into the house and drinking alcohol and do whatever you do? And then you say, Inshallah, I will have a righteous household. I will have righteous children. This isn't tawakkul. So if you truly put your trust in Allah, then it means you have to take the necessary steps yourself. You put your trust in Allah, you have righteous family, righteous children, then take the steps for that. Bring your children to the mosque, bring your families to the mosque, study and learn and read about the Quran and the Sunnah together. Don't take them to haram places. Don't let haram things come into your house. Be righteous and show that good example and take those steps. And then make dua that Allah makes it easy and makes it righteous for your family. That's how you do it. So here uh, we were discussing the first point which was when you talk about Iman in Allah, there are three points about the Iman in Allah. The first point is known as in Arabic, the Lordship of Allah. And that we've just said means singling out Allah with his actions. There are certain actions only Allah can do. Like, for example, sending the rain and the provisions that we were talking about just now. Life and death, controlling the universe, creation of all of this universe. All of these are actions that only Allah can do. And it's important to remember that. Because there are some people out there, they believe these awliya of Allah who are buried in the graves have powers. That you go make dua to them, like for example, some of them who can't have kids. There are couples who have been trying to have children for a long time and they can't. Under whose control is that, that you will be blessed with a child or not? Who is that from? Allah. But what do they do, some of these people from ignorance, not knowing, misguided by their, their leaders and their so-called imams, they say to them, go to the grave of one of the great imams, or peer as they call it in some of the languages, the Mawlana. They say, go to his grave and make dua there. Make the dua at his grave and ask for this child and all this issue, not getting pregnant, etc. Make the dua there, you'll get the child. That's what they tell them to do. Haram, shirk to do that. 
You make your dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These actions are from Allah, nobody else. This Mawlana or whatever they want to call him, he doesn't control that. He's not going to bless you with a child, nothing. This is from the lack of understanding aqeedah. So much misguidance, people don't understand the true aqeedah that the Prophet ﷺ taught us. Did the Prophet ever tell the companions, go to the grave of this one or that one? Even when the Prophet died, the companions never used to go to his grave and make dua to him, oh messenger of Allah, help us with this, help us with that, never. And he's the best of all of mankind, the Prophet, the final messenger. And they didn't used to go to his grave. If they didn't even used to go to his grave, then all of these Mawlanas, are they anywhere near to the position of the Prophet ﷺ? Nowhere near. In fact, most of them are not even Mawlana really. Most of them are not even properly practicing or pious. Most of them used to do sinning and all types of things. Who knows what they used to do? So this type of thing, a person needs to be aware very carefully. So this is the first part about the Iman in Allah. The Rububiyyah of Allah. That these are actions that only Allah can do. And this belief that these are actions that only Allah can do is something which is innate. It is something that is naturally within us. It is a natural thing. That a human being understands he has a creator. His creator who created everything. The creator who gives life and death. It's a natural thing that a person understands. So much so that throughout history, you know, all the different prophets and messengers, Nuh alayhi salam, Noah, Musa alayhi salam, Moses, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Abraham, Isa alayhi salam, Jesus, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All of the prophets and messengers, did they have people who used to oppose them? They all had people who opposed them. And they had people who used to fight against them. But those people who used to oppose them and fight against them, is it because they used to say to the messengers that we don't believe Allah is the creator of all of this universe? Stop telling us that. We don't believe that Allah is the one who gives life and death. Stop telling us that. We don't believe Allah is the one who controls the provisions and gives us the provisions and controls what happens in the universe. We don't believe any of this rububiyyah. Is that the reason why they fought against and opposed the prophets and messengers? No, they actually used to accept this. Kuffar, disbelievers, used to accept this. Say, yes, Allah is the creator of everything. Allah is the one who gives life and death. Allah is the one who sends the provisions. They accepted all of that. That wasn't their contention. That wasn't their problem with the prophets and messengers. What's the proof for that? If somebody says, what is your proof that those kuffar, the disbelievers, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, and at the time of Jesus, Moses, Abraham, the different prophets, that they used to believe in this rububiyyah generally. 
The evidence is that Allah told us in the Quran. Allah told us in the Quran that they never used to have a problem with this issue. Their problems were other issues that we're going to come to later on. This rububiyyah aspect wasn't the problem. In the Quran, Allah tells us, وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَهُمْ لَيَقُولُنَّ Allah If you were to ask them who created them, they will say to you, Indeed, certainly, Allah. They say, it is Allah who created us. The action of creation is from Allah. In another ayah, وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَيَقُولُنَّ خَلَقَهُنَّ الْعَزِيزُ الْعَلِيمُ If you were to ask them who created the heavens and the earth, they will say to you, it is Al-Aziz Al-Alim, the, the omnipotent, powerful, all-knowledgeable, meaning Allah, that Allah is the one who created the heavens and the earth. Kuffar disbelievers used to say this. Yes, it's Allah who created the heavens and the earth. Allah is telling us in the Quran, this is what they used to say. In another ayah, قُلْ مَنْ رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ السَّبْعِ وَرَبُّ الْعَرْشِ الْعَظِيمِ سَيَقُولُونَ Allah Ask them who is the Lord of the seven heavens and the Lord of the great throne. They will say, Allah. They acknowledge and they affirm it is Allah. And there are many ayat in the Quran that affirm that they used to accept and acknowledge these actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They accepted and acknowledged these actions are specific to Allah, that He is the Creator, the Provider, the One who gives life and death, etc. And throughout history, there have been very few cases of people denying or rejecting rububiyyah. لم ينكر توحيد الربوبيه ويجحد الرب إلا شواذ من المجموعة البشرية. Very few, very few rare cases of people throughout history, rare incidents of people throughout history who have rejected that Allah is the Creator, have rejected that Allah is the, the Provider, etc. And even them, they opposed a rububiyyah apparently saying, no, Allah is not the Creator, the Provider, etc. But inwardly in their hearts, they recognized and they knew the truth. Inside, they recognized and they knew the truth. So for example, Allah tells us about Pharaoh. Pharaoh at the time of the Prophet Musa 
Pharaoh used to deny Allah. And he used to say to people that he himself is the Lord. Ana a'la, he used to say. I am your Lord the Most High. And he used to say, Ma alimtu lakum min ilahin ghayri. I do not know any God for you besides myself. That's what Pharaoh used to say. I do not know any God for you besides myself, anyone to be worshipped besides myself. But then Allah tells us, وَجَحَدُوا بِهَا وَاسْتَيْقَنَتْهَا أَنفُسُهُمْ ظُلْمًا وَعُلُوًّا That even though they rejected it, inside of themselves, اسْتَيْقَنَتْهَا أَنفُسُهُمْ They believed in of themselves, they knew the truth in of themselves. They were sure of the truth in of themselves. But outwardly, there was this arrogance and haughtiness. I am your Lord the Most High. I do not know of anyone to be worshipped by you except myself, as he used to say. But inwardly he knew of Allah and accepted and recognized that in of himself. So this concept of atheism, it's not a concept that has existed throughout history like that. Very few cases of people rejecting the rububiyyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they do not have any evidence to reject the rububiyyah of Allah. It is only arrogance and haughtiness from them. So for example, some of them said, وَقَالُوا مَا هِيَ إِلَّا حَيَاتُنَا الدُّنْيَا نَمُوتُ وَنَحْيَا وَمَا يُهْلِكُنَا إِلَّا الدَّهْرِ وَمَا لَهُمْ بِذَلِكَ مِنْ عِلْمٍ إِنْ إِلَّا يَظُنُّونَ that they say it is nothing this world other than or this creation is nothing other than this worldly life this life we live now we live and we die and nothing kills us except time eventually you get too old time comes and you die that's it life and death here that's all it is eventually nothing kills you but time in the end but the reality, as Allah says, وَمَا لَهُمْ بِذَلِكَ مِنْ عِلْمٍ They do not have any knowledge of that in reality. إِنْ هُمْ إِلَّا يَذُنُّونَ They are only upon uh, guesswork with that. It is only guesswork and suspicion from them regarding that. And they do not have any knowledge upon that. And also, Allah has told us in the Qur'an, affirming He is the Creator, Have they been created from nothing, or are they themselves the Creators? 
Or have they created the heavens and the earth? And of course we know that nobody has created those affairs, neither are we the creators. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created us. And in some poetry it mentions, وَفِي كُلِّ شَيْءٍ لَهُ آيَةٌ تَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ وَاحِدٌ وَاحِدٌ That in every single thing there is a sign indicating the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is the opening section of Iman in Allah. Remember the formula or the mind map. Iman in Allah is three aspects. Al-Rububiyyah, Al-Uluhiyyah, and Al-Asma'u wa-Sifat. Right now we're in discussion of the first point, Al-Rububiyyah. So, inshallah, revise that carefully up to there. Look over it carefully every week. And we'll carry on with the next section of that next week at 7 p.m., inshallah.